On this episode of the Break in the Game Show, Austin and I are talking about what's happening in the NBA. We talk about the Knicks and the Wizards, their streaks being snapped, the Los Angeles Clippers being named NBA's number one team in power rankings, the Los Angeles Clippers signing DeMarcus Cousins for the entire season, Kevin Durant coming back from injury again, how the Denver Nuggets just keep winning games, and Kevin loves unexplainable behavior in Cleveland. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Break in the Game show here on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. I'm Stephen Gillespie, and joining me is the great Stone Cold Austin Carr, repping the Austin 316 if you're watching us live. Austin, how you doing, man? I'm good, Stephen. I like that entrance. Thank you. I how couldn't you, do the, you the, I guess I could do the... Right? Dun, 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 right? We should dun, play dun, the music. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have the music. I've always, I've always wanted entrance music. Yeah, who doesn't want entrance right, music? I right. mean, it just makes you feel empowered, you know? I like feel like that. anybody that's into sports that ever watched wrestling as a little kid has always wanted to, like, come out in front of a crowd, just like a certain song. Yeah. With, I don't you know, know. What what song would you come out to, Austin, if you could come out I don't out know. To that, that, that's, I, that's not something I can think of right off the top of my head and answer. That's too important. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I would come out to something lame, like Dancing in the Moonlight yeah, by I'd Harvest Moon or something. something It'd probably end up being pretty lame. <laughs> Yeah, right on. But cool. Hey, we got a great show lined up for everybody. And if you're tuning in, I know that the NFL is trying to steal viewers from us. That's how Austin we know that we've made it when the NFL is like, we're going to schedule draft night the same night that Austin and Steven are going to be talking about the NBA. I know that we're doing something right. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's it's a big conspiracy. They don't want us to get too big. It was like, you know, uh, I've been watching the Monday Night Wars just to keep the whole wrestling mm-hmm. theme going. And uh, when, you know, Ted Turner launched Nitro opposite of Monday Night Raw, you know, right. that was a sign that WWE, you know, was in trouble or back then right. WWF. And I think that right. the NFL is trying to hit us with a little bit of that, too. But we're going to be like right. Vince McMahon. We're going to stay the course. We're going to reinvent ourselves mm-hmm. and we will come out on top. Of course. Of course. We've got to <laughs> win. These. We'll win the, the Friday Sunday, Friday, Monday, I guess, the, the, Friday, yeah. Monday Wars. <laughs> yeah, if there's Thursday, a Sunday, whatever you want to call them. They're in their off season, so whatever. But anyway, um, before we get going into the show, I just want to remind everyone that support for Break the Game is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. You're looking and talking to two of them right now. And we have an exclusive offer for our listeners. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code BTG at manscaped.com. Austin, how good is Manscaped? Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, it keeps me from looking like a complete ogre all the time. So, you know, it's definitely, it's helped me for sure. It's, uh, It's the best. You know, you can't beat it. Yeah, absolutely. Manscaped is the best in the business. I'm wearing the t-shirt right now. I'm wearing the underwear right now. If they had socks, I would probably be wearing them. If they gave, you know, like a like a onesie, I would be wearing a Manscaped onesie right now. I love it. It's comfortable. A jumper? 
yeah, a jumper with a butt flap and all of that fun stuff. Nice. All right. So <laughs> as we're rolling into more appropriate NBA discussion, Austin, our beloved New York Knicks, and I say our beloved on behalf of the Off the Ball Network, which is where you and I both contribute via the podcast and written work right. as well. They were recently on a nine-game winning streak. Three of those games went to overtime, but they still count as victories. Um, you know, they lost what would have been their 10th game against the Phoenix Suns after some late-game heroics by CP3. Randall had 18.6 <laughs> boards and four assists, and it was a sad day, obviously, right? Because you want the you want the streak to keep going. But I think that New York had done a good enough job during that time to um, represent their new identity, you know, their new team, their new head coach, Tom Thibodeau, very well during that time. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I, I definitely agree, Stephen. I think just the fact that, you know, they're in line for home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. And we're, we're talking about a team that no one really even picked for the, to make the – the play-in tournament, really. They were maybe a play-in tournament candidate on a lot of people's preseason expectations. So um, it's been really cool to see, uh, especially, you know, the way Julius Randle has kind of blossomed and had his coming out party this year. has been awesome. And, you know, I think a lot of it is is to do with the fact that they have a coach that knows how to get him the ball where he needs it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big a big part of it. And, you know, they've got a nice mix of veterans and young guys you know, bringing in Derrick Rose was, I think, huge for this team. So, you know, it's been fun to see Tibbs, Rose, and uh, who's the other one? There's one other guy from that Bulls team that's on this team, the power forward. Oh, Taj, um, Taj Gibson. Gibson. Yes, Gibson. yes, Taj yes. Gibson. yes. It's, it's cool to see all three of them together again like they were in Chicago, what, like 10 years ago? Yeah. Crazy <laughs> to think that that was already 10 years ago, though. I know, man. It's nuts. You know, time is going by so quickly. And speaking of time going by quickly, that losing streak, if you can call one loss a streak, would abruptly come to an end as we were talking about the Chicago Bulls. Tibbs, Rose, Gibson, all those guys had their quote-unquote revenge game. That's a, you know the vernacular um, that a lot of the young folks are using nowadays, revenge game. Um, they would beat the Bulls 113-94. to uh, on the 28th, which, which was Wednesday, if you're wondering what day of the week that fell upon. Austin, their next few games are against Houston, Memphis, Denver, Phoenix, Clippers, Lakers, Spurs, Charlotte, and Boston. Are we on the verge of, of another streak, or do we need to temper our expectations a little bit? Um, I mean, if you call three or four games a streak, then yeah, they could they could do that. But I, I mean, think three games is usually you know the, then, the beginning yeah, of a streak. Definitely. I mean... Denver, they could beat, but that's going to be tough. Phoenix just beat them. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I don't know if they're good enough to beat the Clippers. It just depends on if Kawhi and Paul George play or not, which is kind of always up in the air this year. So um, it, it could be. I mean, they very easily could win seven or eight of their next 10, though. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I look Finish at Houston. Really strong. I look at um, Houston. That's a winnable game. Memphis, I think that's a winnable game. And then you get into Denver. I think that that could be the start of a three-game streak. Uh, Phoenix, depending on what they're doing as they're winding down for the end of the year, I think that's going to be important. As what do some of these teams that already have their playoff picture basically secured right now? What do they do as the season winds down? You know, do they ramp up their play? Do they look to rest their starters in this kind of shortened and condensed uh, second half of the season uh, as the playoffs approach? I think that we could see another streak as crazy. I would have probably slapped myself like the two or three month 
version of me, you know, from from the past two, three months mm-hmm. ago version of me would slap current me in the mouth if I if he heard me talking like this. Right. But I would point to what we've been seeing lately. And I think, man, the Knicks are live. I think the Knicks are live. I agree. Um, my only thing is, and I, I heard this brought up on another show and I thought it was, you know, it was really interesting is they always talk about in the playoffs how everything gets ratcheted up and how everything's, you know, defense is a little bit tougher, games slow down, all that stuff. And does it kind of feel to you like the Knicks play like it's a playoff game every night? Like they give it 100% they're all and maybe don't have, you know, another gear that they can really go into in the playoffs? I don't know if they have another gear, but their first gear is pretty solid. Um, I agree. And it's, again, too, when we get in the playoffs, I think people – um, tend to forget that the roster and the rotation typically shrinks a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these guys who haven't really proven themselves, such as an RJ Barrett who has um, improved mightily, I would say over the past couple of weeks, mm-hmm. um, Nerlens Noel, he's been a part of a lot of teams, but hasn't really stuck anywhere. Um, right. Reggie Bullock, he's been asked to do a lot for this team. Uh, can he keep that same type of role up in the playoffs? You know, Derek Rose, Rose, um, once upon a time, he was in the playoffs, you know, pretty consistently. He's looked really good, too. Yeah, Julius Randle, you know, can he keep up this le- level of intensity night after night? And he's actually leading the leagues in minutes right now, which is one of the biggest concerns that we had with Tom Thibodeau coming into, you know, today's NBA again to coach. But he's been doing a phenomenal job. Uh, I don't know if there is that next gear, so to speak, but I don't think that Knicks fans, even even now with their wildest expectations, I think, just watching their team play hard in the playoffs is is going to be good enough for this season. For sure. And and I think there's there's two sides to it with with a team like Thibodeau and the way he coaches. A lot of people say, "Oh, they they're, you know, like you said, he leads the league in minutes. Are they going to be able to bring this intensity every night?" What's to say they can't? They're used to doing it. Mm-hmm. The Thibodeau coach team is used to playing their their butts off for 48 minutes every single night. And what's to say that 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 that's going to change at all come playoff time? I mean, these we talk about it all the time. Guys need their rest and guys need their time off. And it's a long season, but they're professional athletes. And this isn't an old team by any means. It's I don't see a, a much of a a situation where they can't keep up this level of intensity. And maybe and like you said, the, so far it's been pretty good. It's been good enough. Yeah, absolutely. And another guy too, Emmanuel Quickly, who out last week we had um, Lee from Witch Carolina on. Right. And uh, we were talking about, man, like looking back in hindsight, we were both ridiculously high on quickly, but we had him like 19th or 20th on our board and people weren't that high on him. We were, right. I think we tempered where we had had him on our boards based on what some of the other experts were saying, mm-hmm. even though we, he exceeded where they had them on our boards, he was still retroactively still too low on our boards. No matter considering how ridiculously mm-hmm. high on him that we were, um, I think that getting him meaningful games this early on in his career, Obi Toppin, another guy, even though he's not really getting consistent burn or um, huge minutes, he's still going to be an important piece of their future. I think getting getting rookies like that, good looks right now, or early on in their career, that's going to bolster their confidence. They're going to want to work harder. They're going to keep up that intensity to maintain where they're at throughout the rest of their career, Austin. Yeah, you know, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And just, just think about, in a couple of years, if RJ Barrett and Obi Toppin become what everyone expected them to become. And they've got 
uh, Julius Randle playing the way he's been playing. Manual quickly. quickly is, <laughs> you know, exceeded everybody's expectations. If that all happens, like I hear talks all the time that th- this team isn't even one player away from being a contender. They're two, but, but if, if all that happens, are they, uh, how are how can you say they're not one player away from, from being a contender in a couple seasons? If all, if all goes according to plan. Yeah. And I, I think they've got uh, uh, some really nice building blocks. And all of that, obviously, too, I think that we get into the it's so routine and easy to toss out the whole they're a player away. They're two players away. What what player like I think that's where we start. What player yeah. do they bring in? I think that determines how many more you need on that team as well. Look at what Chris Paul has done. What if it's Chris Phoenix. Paul? Yeah. What if it's Chris Paul? I mean, Phoenix was a Chris Paul and a Jay Crowder and no knock against Jay Crowder. I love the guy, but he's not like he's not a guy you look at and like. Man, like he is a like he is gonna ascend. He's, like the, he are, he's the difference, you know. Yeah, he's he's the he might be like the piece away, you know, like mm. the uh, the guy you look at when you have him, you identify him, and you say, "We're in playoff contention now. We got to have this guy on our roster just for the depth and the versatility." Maybe, maybe like Milwaukee did with PJ Tucker. Uh, correct, but he's not like your your one B. You know, no yep. one wants to be number two anymore. You have one A's and one B's now. Right. So, um. Yeah, you, you have to you have to I'm be a happy, little bit more. I'm sensitive. happy being your number two, Stephen. You're my you're my one A. I'm one B here on the show or number oh, two. Whatever, whatever. <laughs> your Austin Powers. Who does number two work for? What All if right. okay? So not to keep on the next two too long, but what if that one player, Demar Derozan? I love Demar Derozan. I I, I know you you, you know me. I had him as an All Star. I, I know mean, you did. I think R.J. Barrett though is young Demar Derozan. Okay. I think he is a little bit doubled down, but hey, I mean. There's nothing wrong with two really good players. Martin Rosen is going to score 28,000 points in his career if he's not careful. Yeah, and that's like... He should be way up there. And putting that into perspective, Austin, like you might hear that number and be like, oh, okay, that's not that impressive. Like, that's elite company. Oh, yeah. That's like top 20, 25 all time. Like, DeMar DeRozan, a guy that doesn't really even get any, any love. Yeah, and we're not going to make this a DeMar DeRozan podcast as much we as could. I'd love to. But hey, shout out to DeMar DeRozan. We see you. Come on the show. Come on the show, DeMar. We would love to talk to you about how we Man, love your game. Everyone hates the fact that you can drop 40 without even stepping outside the arc. Three. Without, without even attempting a three. All right, so as much praise as we were heaping on this New York Knicks team, Austin, and their current streak that they just ended, and now they're looking to revamp after that win with Chicago, kind of the – the other streak is what I refer to it as that happened in Washington that people were just so quiet on because, you know, New York is quietly becoming America's team. I think that's an appropriate description of them considering the fan bases mm-hmm. that consist of the New York Knicks and, and with football's America's team. I'm not going to get into, into too much detail on that, but yeah, Austin, it is, the, it is draft night. So the Washington wizards had a streak that was snapped as well. You know, the Knicks had a nine game win streak. Washington only had an eight-game win streak, uh, and they only had one overtime victory during that stretch. They lost in overtime to the Spurs by, I think, three points, and Russ had a triple-double, and Bill had 45 in that game. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, they would lose, but they did beat the Lakers on Wednesday, that same night that the the Knicks were back in the win column. Mm -hmm. The Wizards got back in. They beat the Lakers, and they (laughs) did have a healthy Anthony Davis on that team. 116 to 107. Uh, Austin, their next games are against Cleveland, Dallas, Indiana, Milwaukee, Toronto, Indiana, Atlanta twice, Cleveland, and then Charlotte. What are the chances 
of another streak and then just tell me how special the the Washington Wizards have been over the past couple of weeks. Um I think anything's possible right now with the way Russell Westbrook's playing. I think they can go out and beat anybody. I mm-hmm. mean, like you just said, they lost to the Spurs in overtime. Russ had a triple-double, and Beal had 45. How many times are you ever going to lose when that happens? And they lost by three points. Right. Right. You're talking and about a possessions difference. It's funny that we were talking about DeMar DeRozan and his style of play with how much he scores without shooting threes because the the starting fives of these two teams combined to make two, for, two threes the whole game. And that's what, 282 points or something ridiculous. And DeMar DeRozan beat Russ on a triple-double and Bill on a 45.9. DeMar DeRozan's team beat them. Yeah. So It's just, I mean, we can talk about how, how special the Wizards have been, but the only way you can really talk about it is to talk about how special Russ has been. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, he's had to absolutely go off for this team to to do what they've been doing. And... I think they're going to you know they're going to sneak into the bottom of this this playing bracket here and they can beat anybody in a one game you know playing and Russell Westbrook what can you say about the guy 12 triple doubles in the month of April I think that's as many as like number 2 has for the whole year or something or pretty close it's been ridiculous man he yeah. said the like he is approaching just to put in how much into perspective how dominant Russell Westbrook has been throughout his whole career he is approaching the great Oscar Robinson Mr. Triple Double himself in terms of career triple doubles he might break it this season Austin mm-hmm. he might break it this year well I mean unless he retires in the next <laughs> year there's well, no we, way he doesn't and he doesn't finish his career number one we shouldn't joke like that because this season we've had two non-basketball related injuries that right. one was questionable to see if one career would end and then the other one hung him up yeah I, I know that you meant True. that jokingly I'm not trying to be a downer but like we no, have I mean, seen strange saying, things like, this season I mean, stranger things have happened but there's really there's no possible reason basketball wise where Russell Westbrook doesn't end his career with the most triple doubles ever. I mean, it's bound to happen. He's, he's on pace for his fourth season of averaging a triple double and his teams win. I mean, I saw a thing the other day that was comparing Damian Lillard and Russell Westbrook in their careers. Uh And every, almost everybody that commented on it said, you know, obviously because of the MVP and the finals appearance, Westbrook's had a better career, but Dame's probably the better player and Dame's probably more the reason his team wins than than Russ is. I don't know how in the world <laughs> anyone's a, more of the reason that his team wins than Russell Westbrook. Maybe those few years, those first seven years or so in Oklahoma City with KD, you know, obviously KD was a lot of the reason they won then too. Yeah. But everybody acts like Russ takes away from winning from his team. And like, he doesn't, he doesn't contribute that much as a winner. Like he's got a better winning percentage in his career than Damian Lillard too, by the way, by, by a significant amount. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he's won every, every year he's won. He's been in the playoffs just about every year. He's won every year. Uh, and he's been to the finals. He's been the MVP. He's set all kinds of ridiculous records that, yeah. that I thought five, six, seven, eight, 10 years ago would never happen. Would never, never happen. Ever. Never. Absolutely. And I I do hear you on Russ. I just want to touch back on this win streak. And not only you, you bring up obviously the, the triple doubles and those are phenomenal. I'm not trying to, you know, squelch that fire at all, but I also want to point out the fact that Bradley bill, his lowest scoring game during that stretch was 29 points. Yeah. 
twenty nine points was his lowest score. Yeah, he's. I mean, during that stretch, he didn't score over forty, but he was consistently thirty four, thirty one, thirty, thirty seven, thirty, twenty nine, thirty three, thirty three. Now, when he broke that forty, you know that for that forty five point game out, that's when they lost. And there's these weird stats out when like you know Bradley Bill scores too many points, his team loses, which I just find weird. Like mm-hmm. it, it to me that's like correlation and causation. They don't always equal each other and. I could see the time to, who took the time to like look that up too. Like stats who decided nerds. like, hey, you know We're what? Stats nerds, awesome. We can't. He scores forty points. He's the reason why. Let's figure it out. So let me ask you this, Austin. You're coaching the Washington Wizards, and you see Bradley Bill has thirty seven points, and there's like five minutes left of the game. Are you like, dude? We got to pull you out. You're too close to forty points. We're gonna lose no, this you game. Use him as a you... decoy. <laughs> no. no, you play your game. Yeah, you you do what you do best. Get yeah. out, transition, shoot. You know, try to shoot before the defense is set up. Get Russ the ball and let him make a play. Yeah, there you go. And I will point out that when they did beat the Lakers, he only scored twenty seven. So he's in oh that sweet spot between you know twenty seven. They beat the Lakers to, pretty pretty easily too. That was yeah, that game was never really that in doubt. I don't feel like no. And I think that the score is closer than you would otherwise expect because I mean, they were know, ahead from like I watched most of it. They were ahead for like. At least seventy five percent of that game, they had the they had the lead, if not more. And I would like to point out that as much as we point as to Anthony Davis as like this top five player, is he like this wasn't planned? By the way, Austin, you know I sent you the notes, but like mm-hmm. we talk about how Anthony Davis is better than X, Y, or Z player when he's the guy. We saw this in New Orleans when he's the guy. It's hard for him to carry a team, man. And we're seeing what Nikola Jokic is doing in Denver without X player, Y player, and Z player. Mm-hmm. And he's and they're still plugging away. We're going to talk about Denver more here coming on. It was just a random thought that I had. Um, I think Anthony Davis might be like the best number two who can't be a number one. Like there's a lot of good number twos mm-hmm. that maybe could be a number one. But I don't think Anthony Davis can. I think he's – you put him next to a LeBron, next to a Kawhi Leonard maybe, next to a KD, someone like that, even maybe Russell a James Westbrook, Harden, Bradley Westbrook. Bill. And, and he can absolutely shine as the number two guy that doesn't have to do it all. But he's – you put a guy that's a, okay – you know, Chris Middleton with mm-hmm. him, can can they win as many games as Giannis and Chris Middleton? I don't a think a true so. holiday. We've seen that before. Yeah. A Julius Randle, no. we've seen that before. Right. Yeah. It's, and so it, it's a weird thing because I think he's he's the perfect guy to pair with a LeBron James type of player or a Kevin Durant where he can he can just worry about what he's doing, what he's best at, and not have to try to do too much. He because, can be your best defensive player. Mm-hmm. And during stretches of the game, you could hit him in there for that little, you know, mid-range right. pull up over another guy. But when he's the engine of your team, I think you get in a little bit of trouble. And we, again, I didn't mean to make a segment out of this, but no, you're good. Just randomly came up in the midst of a organically in a conversation, right? I mean, I think we've seen we've seen quite a bit of evidence that he's not a really going to be a number one to lead you to a title. And I think the Lakers have to have to know that going forward. Mm-hmm. When LeBron's time does come to an end, because they did sign AD to a pretty big contract, but yep. they're gonna they're gonna have to bring somebody in alongside him that's just as good, if not better. 
And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Anthony Davis still a tremendous player. Not trying to. That's what I mean. Like yeah. I'm talking, you know, all time in terms of if he's the number two guy on your team, you probably have a chance to win a title. Like, like he's up there with, you know, Scotty he's, he's your number two. Pick, find me a better. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd have, I'd be hard pressed. There's Scottie not Pippen, maybe. Yeah, Scotty Pippen is up there. I mean, you look at a guy like Clay Thomas and. Or Clay Thompson, excuse me, yeah. in um in Golden State. It's but okay. anyway, he played for four years. You know, you forget the guy's name. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, I, I blended him and Dave Thomas, the founder of Wendy's, together. I don't know why, but I did. All right, so good, rolling right along, uh, are the Los Angeles Clippers now? Since we put this segment together, they did indeed lose to the Phoenix mm-hmm. Suns, and you know CP3, and, and they lost to uh, New Orleans before that. Yes. So, um, but. For the prior week, the only reason we bring them up is for the prior week, NBA and their website, NBA.com, put out their power rankings where the Los Angeles Clippers were number one. Uh, Kawhi had missed the recent, you know, what, 10 games now? Close to 10 mm-hmm. games. Um, the L.A. during that stretch where Kawhi missed about seven or eight games, uh, they won 11 of 12 without Kawhi, Ibaka, and Beverly. Uh, during that last week where the Clippers ranked number one in their power rankings. He averaged 31 points per game on a ridiculous 51, 45, 92 shooting stretch. Um, they had the leads, bet they have the leads best record or did um, since the all-star break at 19 and five. And right now they're third place in the Western conference. Uh, mm-hmm. So Austin, I know that we planned this before the recent, you know, little, little stench of a uh, losing, but um, overall the Clippers have been, pretty decent without a lot of their star players well um you know i think all they the, that two game losing streak really did was answer our question are they the number one team and, and no but they're close yeah. uh, i think they're a lot better than people give them give them credit for i think yeah. they're arguably the most underrated team this season they're they're scary good when they're at full strength and i think maybe this is maybe ty Lu has figured it out and this is the recipe. Paul George goes crazy in the regular season. You save Kawhi for the playoffs and then unleash Kawhi full-time in the playoffs, 35, 37 minutes game, and go out there, and, and he's fresh and ready to go. And Paul George is already in a rhythm from having being the number one guy all season or, or most of the year, really. He really has been. And, yeah. and he's had incredible success shooting the ball this year. And maybe this is the year that it finally all clicks for them because – they're as talented as any team in the NBA. Hands down. And when you talk about, you know, most underrated teams, I would put them in our, it's funny that they're both the third seed in their conference. The Milwaukee Bucks are right there too. I don't want to make this a Milwaukee Bucks segment, but I look at them and they parallel so, so strangely to me because mm-hmm. the expectations from last season, um, you would say their rosters perhaps have degraded quote unquote from last year in terms of depth. Um, coming into the year, but you had unlikely heroes step up, Bobby Portis in Milwaukee. And in, in, in Los Angeles, you've got you know Nicholas Batum, who we didn't know who, what we were going to get out of him. Uh, Terrence Mann has been giving them big minutes, and they just recently added Rajon Rondo to kind of help what everyone perceives as a lack of a voice in the locker room. Right, and you know I think the, the Rajon Rondo signing has been huge. I think it will be going forward. Mm-hmm. I think he's kind of exactly what they needed. And yeah, uh, uh, if you look at the names on the roster, it does seem like the Clippers especially aren't 
as deep or have as many guys as good player as good of players as last year. But they fit to better together better. They they are more what the team really needed to be successful. Ibaka has been, I think, for them, a huge upgrade over Montrez Harrell, believe yeah. it or not. And it's and it's just because Ibaka provides defense and three point shooting, and Harrell provided a lot of inside offense, offensive rebounding, and and really really good play off the bench. But that's it's not a team that needs scoring by any stretch of the imagination. They need everything else. You know, they've got guys that can put up crazy scoring, and even with uh, um, Lou Williams leaving, you know, getting Rondo back for him is. While it's a negative statistically, probably it's it's a plus in other factors of the game, in leadership, and in, in defense, you know, <laughs> defense, in having that voice in the locker room, experience, all that stuff. And Lou Williams is a scorer, and not much else. Yeah, and Rajon Rondo does everything else very, very well. Yeah, you can run an offense, a, a complete offense through Rajon Rondo. I mean. Yeah. Lou Williams doesn't win six man of the year because you can of his tell passing. John Rondo to go find an offense and run it, and he'll figure it out on the court and run it for you right there. He'll just, yeah. he'll just come up with it if he has to, and he'll coach it as well. Mm-hmm. So Lou Williams didn't win six man of the year multiple times for his passing ability. He didn't right. win six man of the year multiple times for his rebounding or defense. You know he's a gunner, right. and like you said, Austin, you don't need a gunner on this team. You need versatility. You need guys who can switch like a Nicholas Batum. Um, they have another guy who can shoot on this bench in, in Luke Kennard. You know, they got Ivaka Zubac who can give you that kind of that duplicity that we saw last year between he and Harrell. You don't have that anymore. You have a little bit right. contrasting styles that depending on who you're playing against, you can run different looks. Mm-hmm. Versatility is the name of the game in the NBA, right, Austin? Definitely. Yeah, 100%, you know, being able to guard every different kind of look, being able to, you know, score against every different kind of look. Uh, guys that I, I heard it like this 20, 15, 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, the four and the five were interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Now it's the three and the four and even a lot, the two, the three, and sometimes the four are all pretty interchangeable these days. And you have to be able to do that. And I think like you said, this team has just more overall, they've covered all their bases a little bit better. I would say with this roster than with last year's team, which was, you know, if we don't go out and shoot 55% from the field and, and score 140 points, you know, that's what we're built to do. It's going to be a tough this game. Team, this team kind of feels like they can beat you a, a number of different ways. Yeah. And one guy that we um, intentionally did not discuss because we wanted to give him his own segment, who's been a pretty big help is uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Now, he was fully signed for the rest of the season, which is great to see considering the injuries, the way that he bounced around, the way that Houston looked like they were going to use him to kind of bolster their rotation a little bit. And obviously with trades and injuries and whatnot, they decided to move on from him. And Austin, I was concerned that I wasn't going to see DeMarcus Cousins on a team. And then, mm-hmm. obviously, with the health concerns of Serge Ibaka, the um, <laughs> the the um, desire to win soon with Steve Ballmer and the Los Angeles mm-hmm. Clippers, uh, they needed some big man help, and they brought in, they rolled the dice on Demarcus Cousins. How has that paid off in your eyes? Um, I mean, played in that those couple games that he's played, he's looked really good. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any reason to think Demarcus Cousins can't be really good in the right role. Um, 
what about his game screams, you know, athleticism and quickness and, and explosiveness a little bit of his post game was built off of that. But, Sacramento, but he would bring the ball like people forget Sacramento. He would bring the ball up the court and and do a little bit less athletically of what Giannis does now in Milwaukee. Yes, he would. He would. But my point is, what about what the, any role that a team is going to have for him now? He's going to have to be able to hit shots, mm-hmm. rebound a little bit, and and go, protect the rim maybe a little bit. And he's big enough to protect the rim really without needing much else. Yep. Um, he can shoot. And as you see, he had a double-double. I mean, 10 rebounds. Yep. He's, he didn't get smaller. You nope. know, He didn't get shorter <laughs> because of these injuries. He didn't lose the ridiculous size that he's had his yep. whole life. And I, I still think he can be extremely effective in the right in the right scenario. And I think this is perfect for him. Yeah. I mean, if you consider, you know, he's playing about 13 minutes per game, giving you about seven, five, um, an assist per game, shooting about 47% from the floor, 36% from deep it's free throw numbers. Now, I don't know what's up with that. They're at about 60% now. Yeah. I don't know why, but I, I mean, free throw shooting isn't what it used to be anyway, but I mean, you don't put him in there to draw fouls. You put him in there to kind of help space the floor, to get rebounds, Whatever he gives you on the line right now at this point is a little bit just kind of icing on the cake. But overall, I think that he's filling in well since Ibaka's absence, and he hasn't played Austin since March 15th. And so I didn't realize he'd been out that long. Like I, I knew he'd been hurt, but it, you forget how long it's, it's been. This season kind of flown by. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the last month or so of the season has kind of been a blur. Like April was just all of a sudden it was over. Yeah, and it's like you know, you see all these crazy things happening. Steph hitting all these threes, Russ getting all these triple doubles, you know, all these winning streaks. The Clippers are number one, and the you know, all of a sudden it felt like what's going on? You know, yeah. the Clippers got talked about by the national media. Thank you. All I wanted Something was for them crazy. was a season that a season that mattered, Austin. That's all I wanted for them. Right, right, and it unfortunately it really hasn't, but yeah. it could. It, it could. could still. It very easily could. It should. It, it just, for whatever reason, it's so weird to me how little they've been talked about. It's it's insane. I mean, in a year when we're talking more about the Utah Jazz than just about anybody. Phoenix Suns, first time the they've clinched the playoff berth in 10 seasons. With the Suns, yeah. Yeah. That's insane. And, yeah, it is. It's... The, and wasn't there a, wasn't there a Suns team that won like forty eight games and they yeah, still didn't that was make the, the, the thirteen season. That's when they had um, Eric Isaiah Bledsoe. Thomas, Eric Bledsoe, and Goran Dragic. They were running that three a little bit ahead of their time. You know, yeah. not a lot of teams were running a three guard set. And it now would be seems- uh, it'd be right in line with the things today, but that's a really small three guard lineup. Yeah, it's not like what we saw in OKC last season, what we're seeing in Sacramento a little bit this year and other places as well. I think New York has done it a few times with Rose and Quickly and Bullock and Barrett, if you consider them to be guards or what have you. But um, right. All right, Austin, moving on to another player that has dealt with injuries, and he is on the comeback train. Uh, Kevin Durant is back again. Um, he played his first game since April 18th, and that was when he got hurt. Played only four minutes in uh, at Miami on April 25th. He only played 28 minutes, Austin, but he finished with 33 points, six boards, four assists, 
two steals, a block shot, 57% from the floor, 67% from deep, 87% from the line, and he entered the game in the second quarter. Now, he played again at Toronto two days later, and when I read these numbers, don't you know, don't panic because there's a point that I want to get to with this. He played 32 minutes but only had 17 points. He did have 10 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 2 blocks shot, 71% from the field. He only had 7 attempts in that game, Austin, in 32 minutes. Shot 60% from deep and 100% from the free throw line. Now, overall for the season, he's only played in about 26 games. Um, How strategic was this? Was it specifically keeping him out for injury? Was it preservation? Was it a little bit of everything combined in here? Um, and going forward, Austin, what's his impact on this team and obviously the playoff implications coming up? Well, he was absolutely on a minutes restriction for sure. I mean, they said he was. He's mm-hmm. He was definitely not given the green light to go out and play as much as he needed to or, or you know, really be as effective as he, as he could be. But I think that 33 points in 28 minutes shows you that there's absolutely nothing to worry about with Kevin Durant. If he's healthy, there's absolutely no reason to believe that he can't lead this team to the NBA Finals. And if if that team gets healthy, they're still the best team in the East. They're still the best. They have the most talent in the NBA. If that team is fully healthy, I'd say they have the most talent in the NBA. Whether or not they're good enough to win the title or they're, they can win the title with as little bit as they've played together as they have remains to be seen. But, I mean, you can't really convince me that there's a team that has as much talent from from top to bottom as this team. I mean, Joe Harris has been unreal. He's the Iron Man on this team. And he's like number four. You know, he's like (laughs) their fourth option at best. Jeff Green, you know, Jeff Green has played great for this team. And that's, that's why I wasn't so sure why they wanted Blake Griffin so bad. I feel like he takes away Jeff Green's minutes, and Jeff Green's better than Blake Griffin at this well, stage. They share the floor now. Like, that's yeah. their four and their five. Well, Aldridge, you know, unfortunately having his yeah. issues and having to retire, you know, that opened things up a little bit. But, and, and I, I feel terrible for him for that because I think this was probably his chance to get a ring this year for sure. And maybe still gets one depending on what yeah. happens. I think it's that good. the Nets will certainly honor that. Um, I think so too. But it's just weird to me, Austin. Part of that. Absolutely. I mean, you saw what he did, though. Austin, he was averaging 2.2 blocks per game in that short stretch that he played with. And, and he is not a shot blocker. Like, far and away, that would have been his best career average as right. a rim protector on this team. Right. And I think people underestimate how good NBA players really are, like athletes, how good of athletes they are. Like, I and think how quickly a lot of guys, they can adapt to a different role. Exactly. Exactly. I think a lot of times guys do something so well for their whole career that people just assume that's all they can do. Mm-hmm. I think if you if you give a elite, elite, elite athlete like these guys were talking about one directive, and that's what they have to do. Go get you have go one job. Shots, <laughs> go get rebounds. That's all you're. That's all you're going to do. We're going to see how many you get. Get every single one you can get. I think a lot of them could go out and get thirty rebounds if they just if that's all they focused on. I think it's it'd be surprising to people. What if your focus is on their focus is on a certain role, how how effective they can be at that role? Just certain, I mean, and Andre I mean, Drummond did that several times. I mean, you're talking right. a guy whose main mission in life was to you know eat glass, right? Seventeen rebounds a game, fifteen rebounds a game. I mean, <laughs> it, it's crazy, but you know, and it's still it's two point two blocks. It's not like it's four. It's not like it's five. 
but when you're talking about a dude that like like barely would see a block a game it's like 0.7 for his career yeah i mean you're not even seeing a block a game and then you're coming and granted it's a short stretch maybe that evens out i don't know i'm just it was it was neat for me to actually look at that and and be like wow you know he's actually a a defender on this he's a mountain of a a human being though too Mm -hmm. he's really really big and people don't realize how big he is he's like you know he's built at 611 he might be a little taller about 260 i mean he's yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a big boy. Yes. Big boy. All right. Speaking of other big boys that we have here in the NBA, the Denver Nuggets, Austin, led by the biggest boy of them all, and Nikola Jokic. Yes. Now, what's impressive to me, man, right now, um, I got to pull up the standings because last time I looked, last time I updated my notes, I think it was different. I'm just gonna verify real quick. Yeah, they're so they're 41 and 21. They are seven and three in their last, you know, ten games. They're on a three-game win streak, which I think right now is tied for first in the NBA. I'm double checking right now. Yep. So they're tied for first in in win streak. Now Jamal Murray has last played on April 12th. Since then, they were about on a six and one win um, streak then or record then six and one. Um, we're on a four-game win streak at that time. Monte Morris was injured. Played one game during that stretch. And Will Barton was injured on the 23rd, played less than one minute in that game where they lost. And then Denver won two, now three consecutive games since all three of those injuries, Austin. We're talking about Nikola Jokic, MVP candidate. Now, for some reason, other names get kind of ceremoniously brought in there because you you know arbitrarily have to um, put them in there based on records, standings, influence, what have you. But man, the amount of games that the Denver Nuggets are winning without you know, they're starting and their backup point guard and their other guard that kind of could step in and take a little bit of that burden from the playmaking burden and Will Barton. They just threw in Austin Rivers. You know, they Michael Porter Jr. has been in and out of the lineup, you know, throughout the season. They don't really – their only steadfast player is Nikola Jokic, and they're still plugging along, man. Let me get a little bit closer to the, to the screen for this one. I just okay. need everybody to hear me. I don't want to hear anybody else say Nikola Jokic is going to win this MVP because of injuries. He's the MVP. I mean, he's he's the best player this year. He's been the best player in the NBA. I mean, this team was supposed to fall apart without Jamal Murray. They they weren't we're no there's no way they're going to be a title contender now. And all they've done is win just as much, if not more. Um Nikola Jokic is the MVP. He's done things that a center doesn't do hasn't hardly ever done. I mean, people talk about Bill Walton, like he's the greatest center of all time sometimes for that one or two really good years he had in Portland. And it's because he could pass the ball and Nikola Jokic can do all of that. And he's scoring what? 25 points a game. I yeah. Mean, he's, he's having a transcendent year. 26 and a game. Austin. 26, yeah, 26, he's, he's 11 and nine. He's the MVP. Yeah, shooting 57% from the floor, 41% from deep, 86% from the free throw line. I hate to say this, this if I don't want to sound like an NBA conspiracy theorist, but I wouldn't be surprised for a second if they give it to Steph Curry. Oh, please. We're talking about we're talking about the Denver Nuggets and how great of a job that they're doing, Austin. Please, 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 please do not throw in Steph Curry and the what are they, the night seed warriors right now? I just think it's going to happen and it's going to be a, a travesty. But anyway, no one talks of, like you hear other players like lobbying for each other, man. No one lobbies in the NBA for Nikola Jokic. Nope. 
And um, I don't even think it's the international thing because people lobby for Luka Doncic. People lobbied for Dirk Nowitzki. People lobby for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Do you I don't think it's because they don't want to like admit that this guy that doesn't look like he belongs is better than all of them. Yeah. They you don't want to lose because, to the, to the big guy. Yeah. To the big, you know, plotting dude that plotting doesn't jump white guy, you <laughs> yeah. know, who doesn't look like 85% of the guys that he's out there whose asses he's kicking just about every night. I don't necessarily think it's that aspect of, it. I genuinely think it's they, they don't want to admit that they're losing to the dad bot out there. That's yeah. really what I think it is. Yeah. You're probably right. And, and so right now I have his synergy stats pulled up, Austin. Now he's defensively what they have logged for him on synergy. And if for anyone who doesn't know, synergy is a great website. If you're interested in getting advanced analytics, I love it. Um, he has played 944 defensive possessions and that's logged differently than just minutes that he's out there on the floor while the team is playing defense. Like these are actively engaged defensive possessions and 944 is a very good sample he ranks in the 78th percentile on points allowed per possession at 0.879. And to make that and to kind of make that simple for folks like me, Austin, they have a rating system and they have words such as below average, good, average, excellent. Um, he rates right now very good in points allowed per that. possession. Very good. I know what that means. That's easy. We know what that means. We don't have to say 78th percentile, 0.8. Just like our Manscaped code. It's very easy. Yeah, BTG lets you know that you can get 20% off and free shipping and handling. Very good lets you know that Nikola Jokic, he's not a world beater. I will say that maybe I don't look at him as a very good defender, but the way people talk about him like he can only play one side of the ball, I think that's a lazy narrative. It's almost... A little bit overdone. It's a little bit overdone. It's, It's watered down. It's garbage. Um... Again, he's not. I'm not saying that he is the best defensive player in the NBA. I'm not going to say that he's even the best at his position, but I'm going to say that the the notion that he is just a rotating, revolving door out there is a lazy narrative, Austin. And I I agree. I think he was a year or two ago, even yeah. even as recently as last year. But he's he's picked it up this year for sure. And you know, you can't really argue with synergy's stuff. You know, it it. Spells I mean, it right you, can. Out in front of you. you can argue with anything, really. You, you know, can, but, but not realistically, Steve. Steven, I could argue with anything. You know me. I know that you can. I'll argue with anything. I know that you can. Did uh, Aaron Rodgers get traded to the Bears yet? I have not looked at anything NFL yet. Yes, we are recording. Again, the NFL is trying to steal ratings, and Austin, you're doing a great job of trying to push them over hey, to the dark side. they pulled out all the big guns. They even had Aaron Rodgers come out right before the show and yep. make headlines just to yeah. try to pull people away from us. Yep, but it's again, okay. I didn't wear a hat today, so I combated them with my beautiful hair. There we go. I, I my beautiful. I got I got a haircut the other day, Austin, but Steven, I'm not going to. Always beautiful. Thank you. I do. I take my time in the mirror. I, I try my best. I got to look good for. Hey, for I want to. I want to go on record right here and say I was wrong about the Denver Nuggets when I said that they weren't a true title contender, but even before Jamal Murray got hurt this mm-hmm. season, um, I, I think they are. I think I think they were. I think they're. They're still going to be tough to beat this year, especially. I don't know that there's a clear-cut favorite in the Western Conference right now, in my eyes. Yeah, and I think that everyone is assuming, and it's a if you're going to ever assume, this is a great way to do it, but that LeBron James is going to come in, and the Lakers are going to not miss a beat, and they're going to re- return back to where they were last season. Again, that's a, a mighty fine, safe assumption, but... Right. 
it's not a fact. We don't know. I mean, this Western Conference is so wide open. The entire NBA right now, Austin, is so wide open. We don't know that we're not going to get upset in the first round by this play-in tournament. Right. The Suns are 48-14. and 14. The Phoenix Suns are pretty close to having the best record in basketball. And the only team that's better is the Utah Jazz. That's crazy. And little known fact that um, based on research done by yours truly, me, Stephen Gillespie, um, those two in the Western Conference in the playoff picture, they have the fewest um, games where they have missed key rotational players. Yeah. yeah. That and that's the, you know, healthy. And Utah is the most cohesive team. So, Austin, um, we're going to get a little bit into this, but I assume that we're going to get a little heated and we're going to share a little bit of viewpoints about the way that this man has conducted himself as of late. Yeah. Um, but we're up against it. So for anyone who wants to hear the continued uh, discussion that we're about to have with yes, Kevin love, um, please go follow us anywhere that uh, podcasts are available. Go look up breaking the game. You'll see these cool, uh, this basketball and these headphones over here. If you're watching, if you're listening, you'll see an orange and black um, <laughs> basketball and headphones and the words breaking the game. Um, that, that will let you know that you're in the right place and please subscribe, share, rate, and review, um, anything that you do on that end helps a lot. And we would love for you guys to subscribe so you can hear all of our takes that we're about to share here with Kevin Love. But Austin, uh, on April 26th, Kevin Love committed one of the worst turnovers in NBA history. Um, in the third quarter, the Cavaliers were down by six to the Tampa Bay, I mean, Toronto Raptors. Um, when a rep tossed the ball to Kevin Love to inbound the ball. As the ball approached Love, he lazily slapped it, causing it to become live. You know, So when the ref threw the ball to Kevin Love, he made contact with it. From that moment on, as soon as he touched the ball, ball is live as soon as it is inbounded from Kevin Love. Now the Raptors rookie, Malachi Flynn, very veteran move, I think, um, stole it. Maybe someone would have just assumed that like, okay, maybe he just kind of mishandled the ball. The, the ball wasn't live yet, but the rookie... Stole it, hit a three, making it a nine-point game. Kevin Love didn't hustle at all and was actually very um, <laughs> demonstrative on the court, you know, as we've seen throughout his career. Um, and before we get going into our takes, just want to point out a couple things. Kevin Love was re-signed by the Cleveland Cavaliers in 2018 when we started seeing the, the fall of that, you know, championship-winning team. Uh, he stated that he would, quote, effing rock with Cleveland until the day he dies. Um, now, since then, Kevin Love has reportedly apologized. Um, I want to read this quote real quick because I want to just let everyone know where Kevin Love is at mentally because that's important with this particular player. He said, the reality of it is I effed up. Everyone knows that. I love this team first and foremost. I know I effed up, and I apologize to that for that. I don't, <clears throat> don't want to go out there or I didn't go out there intending to upset anybody to embarrass myself, to embarrass the organization, because I feel I'm a part of something bigger than myself here. My intent wasn't to disrespect the game. It wasn't even for the damn ball to go inbounds. It was a moment that I got caught up in. I didn't even understand what really happened as the possession played out. I think I was a little bit dumbfounded. I even heard a couple of our coaches say the ball wasn't in. My idea was I was going to grab the ball, and pass it right back into Darius Garland, and that obviously wasn't the case. I didn't realize how bad it looked, really, until after the game. I truly didn't, until Larry had showed me, and then after that, I just completely shut down, because I never want that to be who I am. I don't want to 
have to be here and defend my character. And Austin, he didn't even open the floor up for questions after making that statement. So we got a couple minutes before we got to close for the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio. Just real quick, how do you handle that statement after you saw what you saw? Um, Not to take it lightly, but honestly, I'm the type of person I do some things before I think about them all the time, and I make myself look dumb sometimes. I think we all have done that, but, but you know, at the same time, I kind of believe his, his response in that I think he was really, really frustrated with the refs. And I don't think it had anything to do with the, the score of the game or being stuck on a, a bad team in Cleveland and not wanting to be there, which is what a lot of people are saying. I think he felt like he got fouled twice in a row and didn't get a call. I think he was kind of throwing the ball back at the ref and maybe hoping he got a technical foul. Maybe just, you know, thinking that, you know, hey, I'm going to I'm going to take one on this one. and I'm getting a technical. I'm going to tell make sure this guy knows how I feel and try to, you know, slapped the ball back at the ref and hit it in bounds and didn't even really realize that the play was going and it looks bad and it is bad. And it's not something he should have done. But to me, it's not the biggest, most horrible thing in the world. I mean, it's, it's a bad play, but, but I, I do believe that he didn't just purposely knock the ball in bounds and walk off the court and didn't care. Uh, I just don't, I don't see him as that type of guy. I don't think he's that type of player. I think he does care. I think he was frustrated with the refs and he let him let it get to him and he apologized. And I, I believe his apology. Yeah. So after hearing you talk about it, you kind of squelched me, my fire that I had for this down a little bit, <laughs> but I still think that it was, uh, I still think that it was poor, poor form on his part. Oh, and I'm, I'm not saying that you disagree. I know that you're leaning more towards the, the humanitarian side of it, which I totally respect and understand. I love that about you. Um, I just want to point out that Love has only played in 18 games this season. Mm-hmm. Um, that he has beefed with players and coaches who are no longer a part of this team. And John Bayline has openly mocked his um, coaching style to the media. Um, he has definitely um, had inten- had intentionally gotten calls for standing in the paint before because of frustration. Yeah. Um, I don't think that the majority of NBA players could get away with doing this without it being turned into, and, and and Kevin Love is making it sound like it has been turned into a big deal. And we're talking about it on our podcast, but I mean, openly where I feel like we're taking it pretty easy on him. I mean, imagine Austin, imagine the outrage that would ensue if any member of the Brooklyn Nets had done this, just, just one. Imagine if LeBron James, had done this. Good point. Imagine, Good point. Imagine if you know any uh, Draymond Green. If Draymond Ooh. Green does this, he's I'd be killing him. You'd be killing him. I'd be killing him. You're right. You'd You're be right, killing Steven. him. And right now, I just also want to point to the fact that Love makes thirty one point three million dollars this season, makes the same amount next year, and then makes it, it decreases all the way down to twenty eight point nine million his final season. Just and Love is games. You said. Yeah, he's played 18 games. Um, and he's making $31 million. He's making $31 million. He's going to make more than a million dollars a game. And he's 32 years old, Austin. Good Lord. Do you wish you could make a million dollars every time you played basketball? Yeah. I play basketball every day. Yeah. rest of my life. I mean, one day. Man. One day. I'd you know, you, you made a lot of good points. If it was somebody else, if it was somebody that I cared about more than Kevin Love, 
this season, really, in terms of, you know, what he means to the NBA. Not that I don't care about him or think he doesn't deserve, you know, respect or anything like that. I don't mean it like that. He's been in the back of our minds, though. Right. If it's somebody that was a big part of this season's storyline, it'd be awful. It'd be the worst. What is he doing? So you're right. What is he doing? Why, why, Why would you do that in a game? He did just make himself look stupid. He really did. I mean, I get it. I've done it. We've all done it. We've all made ourselves look bad. But And guess what? We're held accountable. And we don't make a million dollars every time we go out and do it. It's not even the money. I bring it up because I think that that's important to note based on what we're seeing him do on the court and the amount of money that he's paid. And it's not... Mm -hmm. It, it's not the fact that like I want him to be paid, you know, twelve dollars an hour or anything like that. But right. you look at other guys in the league who only make, you know, two, three million dollars a season. They're not allowed to make those type of mistakes. That's the only reason why I point out the the money aspect to it. Right. Yeah. Kevin Love doesn't have to worry about getting cut. Yeah. And he's not going to get bought out like he won't see twenty eight point nine million dollars anywhere else. No way in the world. No way. in the he, world. He can't even stay on the court at all. Yeah. And when he is, he's not mentally there. Yeah. And he, and it, that's an important thing to touch on Austin because he has pointed to mental health and stuff like that. But you know who else has mentioned mental health and we don't let the gas off on him at all is Paul George. Right. Paul George does this. Holy cow. Playoff P gets, mm-hmm. gets just absolutely destroyed on social media. And Kevin Love gets all the leeway in the world. Anytime anything happens, Paul George is talking about how hard it is to be stuck in the bubble away from your family and friends for three months, and he's the biggest wimp in the NBA. Quit hitting Are the you- side of the backboard, you loser. Like That's right? the type of stuff that you hear whenever he's like, hey, you know, maybe my mental isn't where it's Nick- supposed nickname's to be. Nickname's way off, P. Yeah. After he shot that P. three. I've never heard that. That's actually pretty funny. It is, but still. Yeah. So, Austin, actually, I think that we covered – all these segments within the time allotted that we have here on the nothing Man, but net channel on dash radio. We're getting good at this. We're getting good at it. I still want to encourage everyone to go and, you know, check out the podcast, but sure. Austin, there's all um, kinds of extra content on there. All kinds, like really, really good stuff. But Austin, mm-hmm. man, totally appreciate you and the time that you've um, set aside to talk NBA basketball with me, man. Um, before sure. we go, do you have anything that you want to let the people know? Um, my article that I, pegged last week that was supposed to be out that next day is finally going to be out today it's okay. done um i had some things come up and i was putting the finishing touches on it and just kept tinkering with it here and there but um it's just about the way this season's gone and if we really are seeing what, what everybody's telling us we're seeing which is the worst defense ever the the most score offense you've ever seen in the nba the highest scoring nba we've ever had and the most blowouts you've ever seen and, and whether or not that's really the case. So it's pretty interesting. I think that that's a, a, a fun thing to point out. And I'm actually glad it's delayed because we had two 40 point games the other night, almost yeah. a 52 point game had, um, who was it? Um, J- James, I think for the Kings who hit a three to, t- I, I could be off, but anyway, um, I know that I've been teasing the fact that I'm working on this really long piece on this strange season. I still am. And uh, I'm realizing that there is really no end in sight for it. It's I'm teasing maybe a book coming out of it, but uh, I am in the meantime working on coaches that are going to have the the hotter seats entering this offseason. So I got seven coaches that I'm going to be talking about who has the hotter seats and it's going to be graded from yellow, orange and red in terms of heat um, on their seats. And uh, the Lakers, 
if the Lakers lose early in the playoffs, is their coach on the hot seat? I don't think so. I mean, nope. I might put him down for you, but he's not on my list of seven. But no, I knew um, he wasn't. I'm just yeah, just a thought. It, I mean, I don't know if ifs and buts were candies. I think and you nuts could always awesome. be on the hot seat if you're LeBron's coach. There you go. That's true. That's true. Um, but he, he nah, never mind. I'm not going to do that. But awesome. Before we go, I want to remind everybody that they can go and get 20% off and free shipping with the code BTG at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BTG. Unlock your confidence. And as always, use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And with that being said, uh, on behalf of Austin and myself for the Breaking the Game show, on behalf of the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio, on behalf of Off the Ball Network, go to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs. We have been Breaking the Game. We will catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one.